Hey everyone, this is Justin with HuntLink by Servicide. I am joined on the mic by actually a local company and brand out of Florida here. Um, I am joined on the mic by Reese Richards, um, owner of Bearded Outdoors USA. What's going on, Reese? Hey man, what's going on? Glad to be here. Just, uh, you know, living life. I hear life. you, man. It's uh, it's been a scorcher out here. So I know you're out there in oh, it right man. now. It's it's definitely been enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just trying to, you know, like everybody else, trying to do as much as you can out in the woods and, and preparing your property. But at the same time, just kind of, you know, hoping and praying every day for the cooler weather to come. But next thing you know, man, it'll be here and we'll all be sitting 20 foot up in a tree enjoying ourselves so oh yeah it's gonna it's definitely be here before we know it and you know i know in the south it's in but i personally don't start getting out there till the end of september or so october um you know do you usually start pretty early or yeah we i mean i uh it, it's very hard to sit here and think of a date that uh season's about to start mm. and then all of a sudden that date comes and you you don't go out in the woods so i am one of those guys that as soon as opening day comes, uh, even if I don't have, you know, big bucks on camera or whatever, I am I am up in a tree and I'm already starting to film and I'm already starting to sweat and drip sweat and all that. And, <laughs> nice, you know, there nice. are local guys that they don't step out into the woods until the weather gets cooler. But, man, here in Florida, you know, it's like yeah, if you don't, don't get out there breath, before right? <laughs> middle of – yeah, I mean, you're missing all the bow season yep. if you're going to do that. So, I mean, we've, we've um, had times where we don't even get cold until, gosh, February <laughs> at the end of yeah, the Yeah, I know. Yeah, it gets wild. Yeah, South Florida, man, that's it's insane. Every, every year it comes across, and I'm sitting here in board shorts, haven't even shot my bow or even been out the property <laughs> yet, and there's dudes killing bucks, and I'm like, man, I – I thought about it literally for a split second this year. I actually was like, you know what? I want to grab my saddle, my camera gear, and a buddy and just head down south and hit up some public land. And then I walked outside and was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been a hot one, man. Um, so I guess that's a great segue a uh, little bit into an introduction here. How did you get started out into hunting? Get started out where? Into hunting into hunting um so we uh i grew up in i grew up in outside of detroit uh in a suburb town out there and you know i was one out of maybe five kids that their parents on the weekends took them actually to the woods and taught them about nature and everything and my family originated i have roots in west virginia and pennsylvania so the roots have always been there to be out in the woods um so I was, my dad was a Detroit narcotics cop. So every weekend that would come during hunting season, my dad wanted to get away from the city and mm -hmm. he would take us kids out, out to public land in Michigan. And he would always put us on the biggest deer and I would always miss the biggest deer. And I was always infatuated with it. Um, and then basically, man, I, I, I moved out to Florida when I was 17 and got into the, got into the rebellion side of life and just started partying and chasing girls and i basically lost sight of my roots and um met my wife and we started getting back into nature and uh, the moral of the story is you know we we just that's been our passion and our love um since getting back into into it you know at 18 19 years old and um i mean who doesn't love nature i mean i know a lot of people that don't but it's uh that's basically the hunting kind of always been there and my dad taught me and raised me into it and then I just took it upon myself and that passion just kind of started driving the directions that uh you know my family and my wife and I are are in now so you know and and you know I always tell people you know I'm not saying you are ashamed of it but I've I've been there man I I joined the military when I was young I was loved the outdoors there was nothing better than knowing I was going to my grandpa's house and, and going to be able to sit in the woods with him on a Saturday morning. And then we'd go to church on a Sunday and, you know, you drive around Sunday evening and, and, uh, you know, look at deer and stuff. And, and I love that. And I got out of it too, a little bit. 
Um, I would still do it traditionally, you know, your Thanksgivings and stuff like that, but um, didn't really get into it hardcore again until after I got out of those quote-unquote crazy years, um, and then you kind of settle down a little bit, and you either get back into it hardcore or you don't, I feel like. Um, yeah. You know, I have a lot of my friends now in the in the 30-year-old group that have been getting back into it, getting more into bow hunting, getting more into you know, doing DIY out of state hunts and, you know, the way technology is. And if you really put in that work, it's, it can be affordable and, and definitely can, you can be able to do it if you, if you plan accordingly. So it's not like back in oh, the yeah. day where only rich people, you know, would go on those types <laughs> of hunts. If, if you're, if you're good at budgeting and you can set aside some time and plan, you know, utilize things like our, our hunt link program, um, you know, you can definitely save, but love to hear that you guys got back into it and and especially together it's it's nice to hear you guys that's something that you can enjoy together yeah yeah she uh she grew up up outside of tampa and then she moved to the town where we live in now which is trenton it's a one red light town and um nothing but you know woods and swamps and all that stuff but her family nobody in her family hunts um you know they did enjoy the whole uh, hiking and this and that, but no one in her family hunted or anything. So I am very blessed to one meet this woman when I was a club promoter in a busy college town. So she didn't have, that's, that's when my roots were completely lost in a sense. Like she had no idea that I was, you know, a very avid outdoorsman in at heart. And then, you know, as her and I were together and we were growing together, it just, it started to wear off onto her. And then now she's, you know, she loves editing videos. She loves getting out as much as she can. Every time we have a second where I'm not working and we have free time, we always are outside. You know, I have a three and a six-year-old and we're outside all the time my six-year-old picks up random bugs he don't even know what what are <laughs> what they are and you know he's picks up deer when i harvest them and and isn't afraid to explore and we're just you know living living and, and taking advantage of what the lord's given us and uh just truly try and, and try and soak it in as much as as much as we can so how did bearded outdoors come about what what is um, <laughs> what's funny about bearded outdoors is um, I could not grow a full beard. I had patches galore until I was 26 years old. Um, I've always been one of those guys that enjoyed the perfect decal on the back of their truck um, and that hat that was you know perfectly steamed, you know, with a nice patch or you know cool logo on the front. So. To keep this as short as possible, I wanted to get a logo on a hat. So I drew up, um, I drew up a beard with, you know, I was trying to, I was an inspiring beard grower at that time. So I wanted a full beard, but my beard was just not doing what it needed to do. So I just grew, drew a, uh, drew beard and antlers on a napkin and, Two, three weeks later, my wife was like, I'm just being pushed to tell you to go get a hat made. Well, what's funny about that is I've had at that point, I have probably 20 something hats and half of them I haven't even worn yet. <laughs> she tells me to get a hat made. So got a hat made. I ended up, you know, thinking in my mind, like the whole concept was, oh, it would be cool for people to wear a hat that I created. And I started selling, you know, selling, getting the money from friends and family and then going and getting them made individually. And um, that kind of grew into people wanting shirts. Um, so we created a website because we started getting more and more orders in. And uh, that was kind of that was at the beginning stages of apparel companies before social media, before, you know, before the covid era of everybody wanting to start an apparel company happened so our, we were doing great we were selling hats and we were making random shirts and i wanted my beard to grow i was tired of it i was like man these patches i'd get to a certain length and these patches would be here so i started investing you can say because beard products are expensive and i would just try beard products here and there and it was just kind of like um 
it was just it, nothing was really doing what I expected it to do. So I started basically, uh, I started experimenting with different ingredients and doing a lot of researching and a lot of mixing and a lot of experimenting. And I came up with this product that I used for a year or two. Um, and my wife one day was like, Hey, why don't you throw it on the website? And that has evolved to where we're at now. So Nice, man. Well, it, it, so obviously, I guess it worked. Did you get rid of the patches? <laughs> <laughs> What's crazy is that was 2017 when we started Bearded Outdoors. And I don't know if it was age or what. So my dad cannot grow a full beard. My brother, he's six years older than me. Still, I don't think has ever shaved. And to say I can sit here and say that my beard products are a miracle, right? But it wouldn't be correct to say that. But I can also put into perspective that no one in my immediate family can grow a full, thick beard. And I can now grow a full, thick beard. So (laughs) if that says anything with, you know, the products that we have, man, they, they are natural oils that help promote growth in this growth in the beard and you know moisturizing and fullness so to say that they magically will grow a beard on somebody's face that can't grow a beard is false but will it help that the way you need to use them and use them you know daily that will become fuller a beard will become you know more moisturized and the skin underneath will be healthier so heck yeah man well that's uh that's i love well for one i mean taking an idea and kind of running with it like that and then also there's not at least to my knowledge it doesn't seem like there's a ton of beard products that are specifically designed for outdoorsmen um you know yeah so sense concerned and you know the hydration of your face right well so that's where we ran into it and truly didn't really expect to um, start to target the outdoor industry. Uh, We were kind of in the outdoor industry and, you know, every time a new season would come along, I'd want a new product. And, and long story short, I I've met a lot of people throughout the years, just being in the outdoor industry and getting into the love of filming hunts and starting, you know, some shows just because we love doing it and we love the editing portion of it. And, it got to a point where I can't wear a tropical beard product coming out of the summer going into the fall. You know, I can't wear a tropical smelling beard product in the woods because the deer would smell it. So we started creating scents that kind of were derived towards, you know, the woods. Um, and I created my first, I guess you can call it nonsense, but it does have a scent um, called earth. And it's natural oils derived from the dirt and wet leaves and all that stuff that makes my beard products smell like basically wet leaves. Um, And when we saw that and we saw that we could market that, um, we just decided to run with it. Um, And then come this year, uh, I, I got in contact with some guys over at Mossy Oak. Uh, when I was hunting out there, turkey season in Mississippi, we went and had a corporate meeting with them and decided to get a licensing agreement in partnership with Mossy Oak. Nice. Um, so that basically, that kind of molded us into direction of let's make all of our beard products 100% usable in the woods without deer noticing them. So we started experimenting with different scents, and now we have um, a full product line of beard products that are cedar-scented, pine-scented, vanilla-scented, earth-scented, and also a new product on the way that is basically going to be like an oil and a balm combined called a beard butter that you literally, that is all you will need. Um, So at this moment, I from the research that I've done and from other people that have done some research, we are the only um, marketing towards the outdoor industry beard care company. Yes. 
Yeah, that's awesome, man. I uh, I like too that you've you've branched it out from starting at oils to to having the whole line. Now, what is that? I mean, as far as the full range of product, I know you do a few different things, such as like being a bow tech and stuff. Like, as far as what Bearded Outdoors offers, um, is it just it's just pretty much um, uh, beard care products, right? Yeah, so um, I do some social media ministry work, and I do, you know, everywhere we go, we, we talk about Jesus, because in all reality, the whole reason why we are even breathing when we wake up is because of him and because of his sacrifices. Um, so, you know, Bearded Outdoors, I, as the owner, would like to say it's a lot more um, than just beard products, but at this time, when it comes down to retail and when it comes down to what we actually sell, um, the beard products is it. We did do hats, we did do shirts, but because of COVID, because of material costs and all that stuff, it was just more of a headache than a, than a good thing. Um, and hats and shirts, you know, all they really do is protect people's skin um, and, and pro- people just buy them as a necessity. Uh, I feel my beard products are something that, you know, if I didn't have beard products, I probably would shave my face because it would be uncomfortable and it would be, you know, it would, it just wouldn't be manageable. So I feel we're now offering a service in a sense, um, on top of, you know, a product that when it comes down to the hunting woods, you know, a lot of people, they'll grow their beard out, come hunt season, they'll be uncomfortable. They'll feel like, you know, I can only shower in no scent and that's, you know, true for the most part but you know i now have a product that you can go out with your wife be manageable keep her happy your skin will be moisturized so when you sleep at night you're not getting that pillow itch that makes you want to shave and all in all your skin is healthier your beard is healthier and it's more manageable more comfortable and now you can get out of bed put these products on And you can still be not detected in the woods by, you know, deer. Obviously, deer have noses, and we have not figured out a way besides hunting the wind um, to find a complete no-scent way. But if they're all natural products, they're all natural scents, then the deer will just assume they are part of nature. Right. Right. No, for sure. I mean, if it's a natural scent, then that's... And a lot of those uh, no-scent stuff, like, you know, maybe they do work, maybe they don't. I don't know. I'm not... I don't get into the science of it all. Um, I've seen them work. I've seen them not work. So, uh, but I do know that the... the like the ingredients and the chemicals and um, the other things that are inside all of them, um, everyone I've ever seen um, are like agents that that dry your skin out mo they're not it's not made to hydrate you it's made to remove your scent Um, exactly and that's that's something that's something that we've actually just recently added i I don't want to say added to our marketing but it's something that i've actually became aware of while speaking to folks about our new um, beard care products in that sense is you know you get these no scent sprays and how many times you want to go to spray your face and spray your arms that don't have any, and you're hesitant. It's not that you think you're going to die from it. You're just kind of like, well, I don't know if I can get this in my mouth or I don't know if it'll burn my skin. If I start to sweat, my pores open up and this stuff's on my skin. You just don't know. So that's another thing. You put these, you know, oil into your beard and onto your face you go ahead with that stuff that's still left over on your hands, rub it on your face, rub it on your neck, rub it on your arms and your hands. And that will be natural products. So that's where we ran into, how are we going to market it? You know, do you want to market it as this is a no scent? Um, No, I wanted to market it as what it is. I created beard products because they help moisturize and they help, grow a beard and make it comfortable for the person growing it now all these added benefits are just a bonus to be able to wear it before you go in the woods so yes it is oil derived so do i want to say you know drip it onto your hand and rub it all over your you know 150 dollars sitka shirt no because that will obviously have oil go into that shirt and it will probably make some stains but if you rub this product in 
like most products, will soak into your skin. You rub it into your skin. You rub it into your beard and onto your face and rub the leftovers, you know, on the back of your pants. Then you're, you're going to have a more confident, if anything, you're going to be more confident in the woods and be comfortable at the same time. Well, I mean, too, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, when I had phrased that question, too, you know, I, I like a company that's that's focused on a specific product and continues to evolve it and grow it. And then, yeah, you know, if you want to do little facets down the road, but, I mean, Bearded Outdoors, you have something that, you know, we see it all the time in the hunting industry. There's a, It feels like it's like rabbits, you know, multiplying, you know, a broadhead <laughs> company comes out and then you're like, oh, that's a, let's just, you know, use broadheads, for example. That's an innovative broadhead. The next thing you know, there's 10 more companies that are making a <laughs> similar um, product, uh, <laughs> you know, so exactly. I, I like the originality. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you've seen a problem and you're like, hey, I want to try to fix this. Um, and then grow it. I, I love it, man. I actually have a beard myself and, um, I take care of my beard to the aspect of it's like, always, you know, it always smells good. And, and, um, you know, it's the, I guess it's just the way my hair is. Um, it, it, it holds scent really well for some odd yeah. reason. Um, you know, my, my wife will always say it if I grill food or anything, she's like, you know, your whole beard smells like, you know, the grill or whatever. And it does hold scent really strong. So that's something that I always, would get nervous about because I'm not shaving my beard off. Um, I do a clean shave once in a while, just uh, clean the skin under there and start over. Right. But I, uh, I, I'm the same way. I couldn't grow a beard, and you know, I try my best to to grow it as full as I can. But the smell is the issue that I have because I do use, um, you know, grooming products when it comes to keeping it hydrated. I have naturally dry skin. So obviously you have to shampoo it and, and put oils and things in and, and that's how right. you grow a beard. Anyone that's that grows a beard, um, that aren't lucky enough to just, you know, shave and then blink and then there it is, it's grown back. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, I uh, I love that you you've seen a problem and, and you wanted to fix it because there's been many a times where I've been in the woods and you know, maybe you pull your jacket up a little farther and your beard kinda elevates and it's right <laughs> under your nose a little bit and you're like, Oh my gosh, that smells good. <laughs> oh, yeah. and you're like that's not yeah. good it's not good that that smells good um because yeah. the deer can sm if i can smell that as a human you're done the animal already smells exactly it. um yeah and that's that's what's cool about you know beard products and being in the industry that we're in is unlike a broadhead or unlike you know something else people aren't naturally um i guess you can say business opportunists are not naturally attracted to something they're not familiar with meaning i don't see you know a company like faradine or a company like that coming in and just creating five or six companies that are all beard care products for the woods because in more you know more than likely their interest is not that unlike a broadhead oh this would be a good idea if we extended this and we did this and we did that and we created a broadhead. I've seen people do it with broadheads and triggers and, you know, just create something bigger and better per se. But in all reality, bigger and better with beard products, there, there's really no such thing in a sense. So I feel we are in a niche. We are. We do have something um, that no one else has done yet. Um, and I just I'm here to. uh to just let y'all know and, and just get involved with you guys because the only one know about a product is word of mouth, social media. You can only get so far. Um, and I feel I have a product and people need to know about it and people need to utilize it. And I think it'll just help a lot of folks with little issues that you don't realize you have, you know, I'll be able to eliminate that during deer season. Um, and um you know it isn't it isn't thing that i'm in the woods with but it's another option for that person that you know wants to have a break in smell and wants to all of a sudden go out with their wife on a date night and wants a different smell other than um, 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I noticed you have a few other things that you have going on with the company. I know you had mentioned, um, you know, you do ministry um, work. You're you're a bow tech. What? I was looking at your website and I seen Operation Freedom Beard. What is that? So Operation Freedom Beard was um, my wife have always had big hearts for veterans, for kids, for the unfortunate in the sense. Um, and a few years ago, my wife and I were working about, you know, I've always, we've always done 15% off for Um, so recently we were asked to come film, um, produce basically an episode and film for a company. It's an outdoor ministry called Ironman Ministries and they're a nonprofit and they asked us if we wanted to come out and film. So that's the first event that I've really taken my wife to that was kind of out of her comfort zone. Uh, but there was 200 disabled veterans and we went out to Orange Beach, Alabama, and we filmed these guys fishing, um, talked with them, mingled with them for two days. They had a banquet and all this stuff. And on the way home, we had a six hour drive and my wife brought up Operation Freedom Beers. So we came up with a name back in the day, but we didn't really know what we wanted to do. Um, so she just started all of a sudden boom, boom, boom. We could do this. We could do this. We can do this. And I was just like, really didn't know what to say. Operation Freedom Beard is a nonprofit. It's not a 503, uh, 501c3 yet. Uh, we're in the process of doing that. But what it is, is we wanted to be able to show up to veteran events like the one we went to and give beard products to these veterans. So if you guys don't know, when you come out of the military, you've been shaving for the most part, unless you're in special ops or something, you've been shaving your whole military career almost daily. So when you come out of the military, people want to grow a freedom beard is what they call it. Um, well, when you have fresh skin that you've been shaving and all of a sudden you want, you want beard hairs to grow through the follicles, your skin is going to have a rough time. So my mindset was, Let's be able to show up to these events, see how many veterans are going to be there and literally have packaged beard care packs and just give them to these veterans. So we started a form on our website. It's a recipient form. Um, anybody can go on and fill one out. You can either, you know, have someone that, you know, would be able to utilize our products or be a veteran yourself. And you just fill out this form. You get put on a recipient list. And then we will ship you out a free beard care pack as long as we have the funds in our nonprofit account. Um, on top of that, we also want to, like I said, show up to veteran events and maybe do a pre uh, fundraiser. Let's say next week there's going to be 50 vets going on a fishing trip. So our goal is to raise every $20 is one free beard care pack we can give away. So we want to raise money for these guys for the next event. And we do a fundraiser. We try and raise those, that funds. We show up to this event with that amount of beard care packs in a package. We show up not wanting money or anything. And we just want to be able to give these beard care products to folks. That's an awesome way to give back, man. You know, not just to veterans, but, but in that, that light, I mean, there, there are a lot of veterans that grow the beard out and also hunt. So it's, uh, yeah. it, it solves a lot of problems at once. Um, I love that y'all do that. And that's why I wanted to bring it up to bring a little more awareness, um, to it. And we'll definitely put some information in the show notes too. Um, so if anyone's interested in, in helping out or, or maybe they know a veteran or, or whatever, they can, exactly. uh, they can do that now. Yeah. Uh, Moving on here to your content, um, you know, I know, I know you have a YouTube channel. I know you have a podcast. Um, what is, I mean, as far as um, the podcast, what, where can our listeners maybe check that out if they're, if they're interested and, um, you know, tell us a little bit more about kind of the, the thought behind why you wanted to start that and kind of add it to everything you have going on. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like I've mentioned before, word of mouth has been the biggest, uh, biggest thing for just 
getting your story out there, getting your brand awareness and all that. And, you know, the podcast came up because we, I always was having conversations with folks one-on-one and just got to a point where I was like, man, I wish so-and-so heard this, or I wish my dad was here to hear it, or I wish, you know, and I just always felt like the conversations I was having were very just wholesome and very good. Um, So when I started, when I said I wanted to do a podcast, my mindset was most times people have podcasts. It's specific. I have a hunting podcast. We talk about hunting. I have a Christian podcast. We talk about Jesus. Well, rarely do you ever hear of a podcast that you talk about your faith first because that's the most important. And then you talk about hunting or that biggest buck or what people want to talk about. So we started our podcast out by talking about Bearded Outdoors, how Bearded Outdoors started. I have my dad on there. Um, I have Gordon Dasher, who is uh, Phil Robertson's um, brother-in-law. He baptized us in front of Phil and Kay's house in the river. Um, And that evolved into speaking with folks like T-Bone, basically people that have uh, a Christian faith and also hunt. So I would speak with these guys about, okay, let's talk about your faith first. And we would talk about their faith. And then we would go into talking about their, um, you know, the hunting industry and how they've utilized their faith to get where they're at. So that's the basis of our podcast. That's kind of evolved a little more into, um, you know, pre-hunt and post-hunt conversations. Um, but all in all, it's, it's just wholesome conversations about, about God and about, you know, the outdoor industry and stuff and about our experiences. Um, the Bearded Outdoors podcast, you can find that on Carbon TV. Um, and then you can find that on any, any other streaming outlet that you can, you can find podcasts. So the Bearded Outdoors podcast is where you can find that. Now I noticed too, I mean, you got a, you got a decent amount of subscribers for your YouTube channel. I mean, you guys are almost at 3000. It looks like yeah um surprising so our youtube channel bearded outdoors usa um that was just started with you know me wanting to film everything because i was tired of telling these stories and people not believing me (laughs) and then that evolved into obviously having that footage when you make a shot i bow hunt most of the time you make that shot and you don't know where the deer went and you blacked out during the shot and having that footage was awesome um then it evolved into, you know, how we got big and how we got subscribers was actually a negative connotation. Um, my wife, I had a small piece of property. It was literally a half an acre surrounded by thousands of acres. The only way to get these deer in was feed. Um, we can legally feed deer in Florida, um, have feeders, all the whole shebang. Her first doe, she shot with her bow. This doe came right into this corn pile. She dropped that dough on that corn pile and everything was awesome. We put a short on YouTube and within three or four days, it reached a million views. And that's where the, what's funny is our subscriber count is because of this negative video. But why would you subscribe to a channel (laughs) that you had negative aspects towards? So that uh, we now have three, I think, 3.2 million views on our YouTube channel and about two point, I think 2.5 thousand subscribers and 90, I would say 90% of those numbers was that one video. Oh, wow. So we do have thousands of views on other videos now, but, um, and you know, thankfully because of that, um, we do have a little bit of a following on there and, and all that. So that's where that YouTube channel came and now that youtube channel show is now on carbon tv also um and then my buddy and i scott hinnett we uh we started seek and find tv which is based off of matthew seven um seek and you will find him and that basically he became my co-host on the podcast and we spent every other week last year together so We've started to evolve the podcast into him and I being together during hunts. And then we started that show because we were recording everything and people were enjoying it. So um, that will also be on Carbon TV here soon. 
uh, before season starts. So we have those two shows and uh, the podcast. It's crazy too. Like I, I've seen it also. Um, I, I don't understand it unless it's just to follow you and to to badmouth you so that they can stay in the loop. But um, you know, especially like the context of it. Like it was her first year, and I, I hear it all the time. You know, especially being in with Florida. a bow. With a bow in, too, and I'm sitting in, here like, in, wait a minute, what are, what are you hunting for? And that's what it first time down in for. a tree stand with a bow, first sit like when it comes down to everything, nothing was planned. Like I knew deer came into that corn, but like for her to have a drop shot, me get it all on film and the reaction, dude, she was so terrified in that lock on stand because that's the first time she's ever been in a lock on stand. First of all first time with a bow in a lock on stand and first time shooting anything in a tree stand like the whole scenario was amazing to me well some people just don't (laughs) you know at the end of the day man if it's legal you know and ethical like it's it's fine you know it's not how people want to hunt is how they want to hunt i'm a big believer in that i don't care if you run dogs i don't care if you hunt them over 50 pounds of corn like whatever like if that's how you hunt that's how you hunt there's no right way there's no wrong way if you're respecting the animal you're doing it for the right reasons as far as you know feeding your family conservation (laughs) Um, you know, your wife getting into it now, she's able to pass it on, um, to your kids. You're able to pass it on to your kids. Like there's just so much more to it than, you know, well, I only free chase bow hunt public land, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's great, man. I'm glad you enjoy that. But hunting, there's no right or wrong way to hunting. In my opinion, if you're, if you're respecting the animal, if you yep. are doing the best you can, if you are p- using the tools that you have necessary to get it done, um, oh, yeah. you know, if you want to challenge yourself and do other ways, then there's there's moments for that. Um, but why, you know, you want to do also what makes you happy, not what makes uh, some stranger that lives eight states <laughs> away, right? It, you know, being a keyboard warrior, you know, what makes him happy? Who are you making happy? You and your family or the keyboard warrior? You know, I've. I've always been a big believer in that. I've done every single type of hunting that is legal from bait piles to the most scarce public land, and I love them all the same. I shake the same with each pull of the trigger. Um, I shake the same I do with a rifle as I do a bow. Um, You know, so it's... that's, that's, That's what's awesome about, you know, the hunting, hunting in general is... You know, the the state makes its laws for conservation. The whole purpose of if we allow five deer to be harvested this year, it will help with the population. Okay, in five years from now, we're going to drop it down to two deer because we're realizing the population is bringing, you know, coming down. You know, feeding, whether it's legal or not, and whether you support it or not, in general, it's, it's a means of harvesting an animal. And some people say they... You know, they hunt deer just to provide venison for their family. Some people say they hunt deer because they like the thrill of it. Um, But it all comes down to what are the laws? These are the laws. Okay, I can follow those laws. How I do it, it doesn't matter. But my mindset, it is wild. Like I've never, I've never, I've always had this perspective of people that run dogs like um, on deer like, man, this, this, that can't be good and this and this, and it might not be ethical or it might be ethical, but the reality is, is I'm ignorant to it. So instead of bad mouthing something you're not aware of, how about going on one of those hunts? How about experiencing, you know, sitting down and going and filming an episode with these guys. And I guarantee you're going to come out of it with a different mindset. You know, I, oh, 100%. It's, 100%. it's crazy to think. And you know, hogs, hogs are open free range here. You don't even need a license to kill them. Right. But right. you go into a public property, public land, they'll tell you that you can't hunt hogs unless it's this time of the year. Yeah. Okay. If you don't have the knowledge of that, I don't have the knowledge. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But, I'm not going to badmouth somebody for doing it because of my ignorance. Like that's on me. I'm supposed to go out and want to figure it out. People don't like gator hunting because 
they don't see a point of killing a gator. Well, if you knew the reasons for it, you would have a better understanding. And that's kind of, that's kind of, honestly, we could go back to my beard products. Some people could look at them and be like, what's the point of it? I, I've heard it all, man. I've heard, I haven't worn beard products in 25 years. I don't need it, blah, blah, blah. That might be the case for that person. Right. That guy could have great beard genes. He could have the actual absolute most baby soft beard hairs. He might not run into any of the issues that 99% of the people run into. But does that guy have the right to go on and make a one-star review that my products are a marketing scheme or something? No, absolutely not. You know, it's if I go on Amazon and I order some field tips or something off Amazon and I get a package in the mail and two field tips are in the package and the package is broke open. Most people nowadays will go on to that person's web, that person's site, give them a one star review that their packaging was all ripped up. You know how much of the fault it was that that packaging was ripped up and that there was only two field tips. It was probably had nothing to do with the company that makes those field tips. Yeah, I mean, that's but, the backlash of, <laughs> of, of any business for sure. You know, that's, that's yeah. just being a being a business owner and or owning a brand. I mean, there, there's always going to be those those backlashes that a lot of people don't see. Um, I recently lost a product that the mail actually lost. They delivered it to the wrong house. The people open it. The people were like, this isn't mine, gave it back. They threw it in a box in the post office. I just happened to be in there one day and was like talking to the lady. I'm like, you know, I lost the package. She's like, what was it? I was telling her, she goes, oh, that's in the back, honey. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah. I mean, this is weeks later. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. No one called me or anything. Oh, well, you know. And I mean, what are exactly. you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? I'm not going to jump on the post office and be like, you guys will never believe this. I mean, <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, man, like that stuff does happen and it sucks, but I've always looked at it like if they took the time to to bad mouthy, I mean, she probably got something good going on, and they're you know they're jealous about it. Like they're trying to yeah, they're upset That's they the didn't create the it. Uh, you know, I hear it about companies all the time where people are bad mouthing. I'm like, it, it it usually does come down to to uneducation. Ninety nine percent of the time, it's they're uneducated on it. Um, but like you said, you know, if if you're really that mad about it, you're really just po'd. Write your congressman. Yeah. You know, because they're the ones that are making the laws over here, uh, not the average hunter that just paid, what do we pay, $70, $80 for your license, and then yeah. and then, and then then move on with it. So um, That's know. the moral of the story, man. I think there's going to be bad, there's going to be, you know, folks are just, certain folks are that way. Um, I, I feel, I see it in <clears throat> ministry all the time. Um, you, I can sit here and talk about Jesus and Jesus's straight love. I could have a a message and it's just literally love, 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 love. And I will get at least one or two messages, sometimes private messages of complete negativity. And it's like, you know, no matter what you do in your life, um, no matter if you run a business, no matter if you have a service, you're going to have, even if you do it to the T the way it's supposed to be done, you will have, a person that's having a bad day, you will have a person that, you know, just is, that's why you never know. That's why you you have to treat everybody, even in the outdoor industry and, and just hunting in general, like treat everybody with love because at at the end of the day, man, they're all doing it for the same reasons as everybody else. Like for sure, I got, I got, you know, I killed a buck in Kentucky. It's still to this day, the biggest buck to date. I called it an eight point and this guy from Utah, that has never been even on this side of the United States said, that's not an eight point. That's a four by four. And that's a small one at that. And that to me is what is wrong with the industry. It's the people that, you know, just, I don't know, man. I don't know what kind of specific person it is. It's just like a, you know, I've been raised. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And yeah, and that's... I mean, it's it's a mutual respect thing. And I mean, the the good companies that realize that they know. I mean, I've uh, I see it all the time, man. But there's this great button they make now. It's called a delete comment and block. <laughs> and I tell you what, I got that bad boy ready to roll. I don't, I don't, I don't feed in. I used to be prideful and 
you know, I have so much passion just like you for your product. Well, I have passion for service side and I think it's the best thing ever for hunters. I think if you're not a hunter and you're not, if you're a hunter and you're not in service side, I think you're missing out. Um, and that's yeah. not even from a sales point. Yeah. I think you are missing out. I don't care if you've killed the world record deer, you're missing out. Right. There's something here for you. Um, yeah. and, uh, I mean, just what you were talking about with when you, you spoke to me about the, uh, you know, not the hunt swaps. It, it is essentially like right. a hunt it's, swap. It's a, it's a, yeah, the it, hunt swaps are a portion of it, but yeah, the hunt link program. That, that alone is it's, it's awesome to me. I've, I've thought of something like that similar and, you know, you can be on Facebook groups with that and all that stuff, but it's not personal and it's you don't good. get anything from it in a sense. Like I've, you know, a, a lot of people out there, it happens just that's, that's the hunting industry should be, uh, you're out there to enjoy everything together with everybody. Like, Hey, you want a Turkey hunt? I have turkeys here. And I, guess what? I also have hogs. You can Turkey or hog hunt. And that person just out of the goodness of their heart says, well, I live, you know, in Ohio and I have deer and you want to come and hunt deer with me. Well, next thing you know, you now have a relationship in the outdoor industry, whether it's just hunting one time with that person and that's it, or that could be a lifetime memory and next thing you know, you and your family go out there the next year. And next thing you know, you, you've known this person for 15 years and all because, you know, you're with a $30 a month in a program that sets you up with this connection. If that's the only thing that you ever got out of Servicide, I think that's worth it. Oh, for sure, man. And, and that's, what, <laughs> like, that's what the hunting world is. It's you know, you can still have, you know, you know, pissing contests and competition. And I've got a ton of, of friends in the industry where we compete with each other. We're actually partnering with a company that is kind of a similar product to what we are. It's a service that except they're more focused on just veterans and, and, um, and more of the unfiltered veteran is the best way to put it, you know, okay, into yeah. weightlifting and things like that. But um, he was actually, he actually is still a member of service side and wanted to create his own facet. And dude, I support him all the time. We chat often. Um, I get right. third party perspective. I help him out with things and we are pretty much the same thing. We're a hunting club slash team organization just niche towards different individuals just niche towards different and guess what most of his members are in service side and vice versa and at the end of the day man like we all we all win from that because our mission here is uniting hunters and promoting conservation his mission is uniting hunters why would we not unite them together why would we separate them because if people only realized Amen. a fraction i mean a fraction of the enemies that we have at the door waiting to take your hunting rights from you just itching drooling at mm. the mouth ready and we're to sitting here it. fighting each and other we're fighting each other over if you're using a fixed or mechanical broadhead like i mean you got guys that are literally disowning friends because they don't shoot recurve and they shoot compound or they used a crossbow or they shot a doe that was one year old or yeah. <laughs> they shot a buck that was not a coal buck and I'm like, come on, people. We don't, luckily, yeah. I don't see a lot of that because my vision is towards service side and we have a zero tolerance. We've never, ever had an issue with any of that stuff. And I think that's why service side does so well is because right. we do have something that you don't see out there. Um, you see false promises. And then when you get in there, you put, I tell you what, I always tell people to test, post a spike up, post mm -hmm. a spike up in the club and you'll see what kind of club it is real fast. Um, yeah, you know, that's all you got to do. A legal, ethical game animal. I don't care where you're at, post it up. That'll tell you all you need to know about your hunting club is how you're, you're treated after that. Um, right. You know, but... and this could be, this is, it's wild. Cause this could be, this is always, unfortunately, this is always going to be a debate in the industry is what people are and aren't doing in other people's opinion of correct or not correct and it's unfortunately like as much as i want to say i want to create every single podcast talking about this subject man it's always going to be there it there's will. always going to be those folks and I, I don't see it getting better or worse i mean i, I social media is only getting bigger and to tell you the truth why it seems like it's just you know, within the past five years, it's because of social media, like the, you know, everything is at your fingertips now. And is, yeah. back in the day, these guys hunted together. And that's probably besides the conversation on the phone, 
that's probably one time a year is the only time they talked. So they went to camp and they had conversations, you know, their conversations were more wholesome instead of like, instead of this whole, you know, they pick and choose what they have to talk about and argue about instead of being able to do it whenever they want. Like if I had, you know, a whole year to have one conversation with somebody that conversation is going to be thought about and it's going to probably have something very good come out of it. But because it's right at the tips of your fingers, any second at any time, it's just, it's just whatever that person wants to talk about it. It's, it's horrible. My wife and I talked about this a few days ago. Like we sat down to have a conversation and she's like, well, I kind of already know how your days went. You've already known how your days (laughs) went because we've been texting each other. And now it's like, what are we going to talk about? And that's horrible. Like back yeah. in the day, man, it was, hey, I'm going to the hunt. I'm going to work and then I'm going to the hunting woods. And you didn't talk to your husband for 12 hours. And yeah. you basically just hoped everything was good. He got home and he had hours of conversation to talk to you about. Oh, shoot. And now it's, it's just... like that in my house. We, uh, the phone stays yeah. in the truck. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a glove boxer. Every time I go somewhere, I put the satellite phone on my bag. Um, oh, okay. I've got an emergency. <sighs> it's $10 a month. Um, it's actually something my wife made me get because I was gone for 12 hours to upwards to a couple days on backpacking trips and things, and she wasn't able to talk to me, even if I had service. Um, but, yeah, yeah I, I love growing up and, and experiencing that, and I wish more hunters did get to experience that because, like you said, it was, you know, you were looking forward to hunt camp to hear how people's year went. Now we have technology and I feel like it yeah. has gotten us away from our roots, and, and that's one of our main focuses with Servicide is, you know, partnering up with companies such as yours and, and other companies is bringing that back of like, okay, we can still stay connected, but let's make it about it, you know, what really matters, which is And what together. are we going to be able to, you know, what kind of knowledge are we going to be able to get from it? Like, I love all kinds of hunting knowledge. I don't care what you do hunting-wise. I could sit down for 30 minutes If you, you know, ran dogs or hounds for mountain lions, never, ever even imagined doing it or even been in those situations. But if a guy said, hey, man, you want to come film and mommy tell you a story about how my family started doing this? Like, absolutely. I'm 100 percent for it. And that's that's the whole storytelling um, aspect and the filming, you know, my mindset of filming hunts are probably not like most people's mindsets. Like I still feel like I'm at one with nature when I'm out there, even if I have a camera on a camera arm and my GoPro sitting there, because I've done it so much that like, that is not on my mind per se. It's kind of like a second nature. Um, But has there been times where I got out of a tree because my camera was dead? There has been, Um, but that's how I hunt. That's, You know, I look at it as if I go up in a tree without a camera, something is going to happen and no one's going to be able to experience it. And I'm, I'm about showing what I do and my experiences for others, but just because I do it that way, doesn't mean it's a wrong or right, right way. Um, You know, I've never been in, had an experience to where I put my phone down and, and get a GPS and go out. I've always had service where I've hunted. I've never had that kind of hunt. Would I love to do it? Absolutely. I'm just, I'm not in that situation and where I live that that's even like a necessary thing. Oh yeah, man. When I go to these swamps, whew, it is nothing. There is not a service anywhere. Um, yeah, the Everglades and stuff. It's it's like that. Dude, Here, there's swamps. Crazy. Like you can be four miles back, five miles back, but I look at my phone and I'll still have signal. Yeah, but you know, you had talked about we had talked about like uh, you know the education of things. That's one thing I learned about dog hunting was when I first was growing up. You know, you'd always hear the negative stuff, and um, I actually did get with some friends and um, learn more about it and got to see them working the hounds and all that stuff. But what was crazy was I actually became a better turkey hunter by hunting areas that the dog hunters hunted, and a lot of people were like, "That's so crazy." You know, when I started hunting, people were like, all oh, that place is run out, and they run the dogs hard there, and I'm like, I'm going to try right. it out. Well, come to find out, guess what happens? Turkey pops up in the tree when a dog runs by, deer lays down, hog lays down, whatever. They've evolved also. Animals have evolved also. Now, not all of them have. You know, there's still uh, survival of the fittest. There's still some that run, but 
um, I learned that the best turkey hunting spots were the ones that were ran the hardest because they ran all the predators out. Um, so turkeys felt more oh, comfortable yeah. walking around because they can hear a dog coming. A dog ain't sneaking up on you. They're not. A dog ain't tiptoeing up on a turkey looking for a deer. It's running through the woods. I mean, barking, carrying on, going from yep. this side to this side, going back to tracks, going back to scents. Um, and what's happening is the turkeys pop up in a tree, sit there, wait till a dog runs by. They can see if you've been in a tree stand, you know, and they wow. jump back down and continue their life. Um, that's very, I've never really thought of that perspective. Oh and man, I love that's... the dog hunters now. So now I actually have a few friends that do it. And we actually, I say, Hey man, when you jump up ducks and you see turkeys, you let me know the general uh-huh. area. And I'll tell you when I see deer, because I don't care about deer. I go up to my family's land and hunt deer. You know, unless I see a nice buck worth taking, I'm usually not hunting deer here. I'm hunting other games. So I, I tell them, hey, man, I've seen a buck run across the road here. I've seen this. I've seen that. And they tell me when they jump up birds. It's a mutual relationship. That's that's funny, man. What's, what's awesome about that, about deer, is the one public land deer I ever harvested which I hunted public land for two, three years, hardcore was the closest to my truck and the most human activity I've ever been involved with was the morning I killed my only public land buck. It was 60 yards from my truck. All the other times I hunted public land was a mile and a half, two miles back. And these two guys at sunrise, these two guys were talking normal, walked straight under my stand and I was sitting on a tram that everybody walks on. And I had an eight point with his head down, come through the thicket behind me. And I shot, I turned my back and I saw him and I shot him past the tree and I used the tree with my 30, 30 and I harvested him. And that's just, it's funny to think about that. And you know, that, that happens so much with hunting public land. People feel they have to get so far back and true. There might be that one legend that lives, you know, five, five miles back, but in, in all reality, you know, I went to Alabama, hunted with my buddy two or three years in a row and his favorite spot, his property was like 170 acres and it bordered the highway. And his favorite spot with his most action on his cameras was a tree stand 30 yards off of the highway. It was the, I'm going out to Alabama thinking I'm going to be in the middle of the thicket, middle of the woods, quiet as can be. And it was the loudest three days of hunting I have ever been on. But (laughs) that is where all the big mature bucks, they were literally their bedding area was on the tree line that borders the highway. The highway is literally 25 yards away, and there's bedding spots right there. Oh, I've been on a few of and those hunts. Yeah, man. You that's, got to go wild. with what your area is. You know, I, I don't know who said it, but a, a great hunter one time said, you hunt with what, like, with what you're given, like what your area produces, like what what the animals are doing. And, yeah, we love it in our head to walk three miles and find a nice natural field and sit on the edge of it, and you're like, this is the perfect spot. Mm-hmm. Well, in your mind, mentally, from what the hunting industry has told you, that's the perfect spot. Exactly. Um, you know, I definitely think outside the box when it comes to, to hunting animals like that, too. Um, but, Reese, we're coming on about an hour here. I'd love to have you back on. It sounds like we need to do us a little episode on a little Florida hunting, um, to hunting down yeah. south. And uh, um, But we'll definitely get you back on here. This was more so just an intro to, to get our listeners to kind of get a sense of who you are and what Bearded Outdoors USA is all about. And we're going to update the show notes here. So if anyone's interested um, in uh, the veteran program and um, any of the products that Reese has here, um, we're going to have all that information there. But Reese, what is the best way for our listeners to contact you um, if they want to get in touch with you and the company? So um, my wife and I are on every social media outlet. Uh, If you Google search Bearded Outdoors USA, Uh, The whole first page comes up with everything that we've kind of done. Um, But in reality, an email, beardedoutdoorsusa at gmail.com. That's always a a quick thing. That's how we got in contact. Um, And if you go on our website, anywhere you see a phone number, but with Bearded Outdoors, that is usually my personal cell phone. So if anybody is interested in in any of the information, um, they now have a discount code with you guys, uh, to be able to 
utilize our products that way also. And if anybody wants to get involved or anything like that, don't hesitate to reach out. For sure. And I'm, I'm going to definitely update the show notes here. Um, that way everyone, you know, has the information. They don't have to sit here and write this down as they're listening. But um, Reese, man, I, I could talk to you for hours. We're definitely going <laughs> to, yeah. we're going to have more conversations. I hate to even clip it here. Um, but we always try to keep them at an hour and stuff. Um, but we're definitely yeah. going to have you on, um, get to see how the business grows. Um, and also we'll get you on and, and see how the season goes and, you know, a little bit more showcasing yeah. of your hunts and, and adventures and things like that. But, um, really appreciate your time, man. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. I, you know, everything y'all are doing, uh, I'm, I'm appreciative of it. And, uh, I just appreciate all your members and, and allowing, allowing me to come on and tell our story and, uh, yeah, that, that outlet's there. If, if anybody's interested, just reach out and, and I'll do the same. For sure. Well, that is Reese Richards here um, with uh, Bearded uh, Outdoors USA. And my name is Justin, and you are listening to Hunt Link by Servicide.